0: Welcome to an audio stream from San Marino Community Church, featuring our own pastoral staff and various guest speakers. As we work our way through the Gospel of Luke, our text for this morning is from Luke chapter 5, beginning with verse 17. As many of you know, our new associate pastor, Jessica Vaughn Lower, is here uh, preaching over in our contemporary worship on this same text this morning, and she will be in here following this service for the classic service where she will preach. So we are welcoming her into the life of our church this morning, so I hope you'll extend a warm welcome to Jessica, Andy, Levi, and Marlo, their two children. Uh, We look forward to having them with us for years to come. In this text, we have a story of a healing early in the Gospel of Luke. I invite you to listen for God's Word for you. One day while he was teaching, Jesus was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting nearby, and they'd come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with him to heal. Well, just then, some men came, carrying a paralyzed man on a bed. They were trying to bring him in and lay him before Jesus, but finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and they let him down with his bed through the tiles into the middle of the crowd in front of Jesus. Now when he saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven you. Well then the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, who is this who's speaking blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their questioning, he answered them, Why do you raise such questions in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Stand up and walk? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, then he said to the one who was paralyzed, I say to you, Stand up. And take your bed and go to your home. Immediately he stood up before them, took what he had been laying on, and went on, his, on to his home, glorifying God. Amazement seized all of them, and they glorified God, and they were filled with awe, saying, We have seen strange things today. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you join me in prayer? Gracious and loving God, we do come before you, we seek to listen to your word. We have come to hear what you have to say. So quiet within us any voice but your own, and speak to us as only a living God can. For we pray in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, Amen. Now many of you know that this summer several of us from the church, in fact 37 altogether, took a trip to Scotland at the conclusion of our class on the Reformation last year, which celebrated the 500th anniversary of the Reformation. And it was kind of a study abroad adventure back to the beginnings of the Presbyterian Church in Scotland. Well each morning as we began the day, we would climb aboard the bus on our way to our first destination. And our tour guide and I would begin to exchange jokes or stories or words of inspiration. So one morning I told this story. There were two brothers in the community and they were both remarkable scoundrels. They were dishonest. They were in trouble with the law, they were deceitful, they were unfaithful, and eventually one of the brothers died. The local minister was called upon to officiate at the service. He was a little conflicted about what he was going to say at the eulogy. The surviving brother approached him during the planning meeting and said, I'm willing to pay you $5,000 to officiate at this service, but I want you to say that my brother was a saint. So the day of the service arrived, the pastor was deeply conflicted, and he rose to his feet for the eulogy, and he said, Look, we all know that this man was a thief and a scoundrel, and he lived selfishly. He sought his own advantage at others' expense. But compared to his brother, he was a saint. (laughs) (laughs) Clever pastor. (laughs) Our story in Luke today introduces something that's beginning to unfold in the gospel narrative. Luke wants us to know that While Jesus is growing in popularity and there are increasing numbers of people who are following him, there's increasing complexity in the story itself that's developing because opposition is developing and growing, especially amongst the religious officials. You see, Jesus had caught everyone's attention, but he'd only captured some of their commitment. By contrast, others were willing to take risks based upon their faith in him. Years ago, I had an occasion to read a book by Dr. Bernie Siegel entitled Love, Medicine, and Miracles. My best friend was receiving both chemo and radiation treatments for cancer, and he told me about the book and how helpful it was to him. Dr. Bernie Siegel is an oncologist Who's deeply dedicated to his patients and to their health? He even shaved his head to identify with his patients who were losing their hair because of chemotherapy. After years of treating patients, he noticed that life expectancy and cancer itself was affected significantly by the attitude and the perspective of his patients. It's the same treatments, it's the same radiation, the same chemotherapy, very different results depending upon the outlook of the patient. Patients who had a will to live simply seemed to respond better to treatment than those who lacked a will to live. Somehow determination becomes a driving force in human life. One memorable line from the book that I've used before is this. There's no sin in dying. Everybody dies. The sin is in not living until we die. So the book tells the stories of patients who lived fully and loved deeply right up until their death. And maybe this life of faith, this eternal life that we talk about here in the church is at least as much about the quality of our lives as it is about the longevity of our lives. Eternal life is not something that begins at the end of our lives. It's something that begins now and it's evident in the quality with which we live our lives. So this text in Luke's Gospel is about the determination of some loyal friends to get their paralyzed friend in front of Jesus. And they're not easily discouraged. They'd heard about Jesus. They knew something about these miraculous things he was doing. They saw an opportunity to get their buddy the healing he needed. So someone hatched a plan. And these four friends each picked up a corner of that stretcher and off they went to see Jesus. Now I can only imagine what their paralyzed friend must have been feeling at this point. Where are you guys taking me? Did I ask you to do this? Leave me alone. If I could get off of this stretcher, I'd choke every one of you. I have no idea how willing he was to go along with this crazy plan, but he was carried forward by their love for him and their determination. So they arrive at this home only to discover they can't get anywhere near Jesus because of the crowds. They're so large, they've packed the house, and the closest they can get is overflow seating outside. Maybe a chance to look through a window. One of the friends must have been an engineer because he came up with a plan. Look, if we climb up on the roof and take off some of the tiles, we can lower, Jesus right, lower our friend right down in front of Jesus. Now, that's creativity. That's imagination. If you were here when we ordained and installed our officers recently... You heard them answer this question. It's the same question that every minister of word and sacrament has to answer when they're ordained and installed. The question is, will you serve the people with energy, intelligence, imagination, and love? So here, four officers of the church, using their energy, intelligence, imagination, and love, get their friend in front of Jesus And it took a little creativity. Now, it's no easy task to lift a stretcher up on the side of a house and keep it level. And then get it over the place where Jesus is located and lower it through the tiles. I can imagine this paralyzed guy saying, you've got to be kidding me. Take me home. I have no desire to be the center of attention of this community gathering here. Please, guys, don't do this. If you've ever seen those series of movies about grown men acting like adolescents in Las Vegas, the Hangover series, have you ever seen those? It reminds me of these guys. That, that movie series was based on or predicated on the idea that these friends go on a bachelor party and they lose the groom but they can't remember what happened the night before, and they have no idea where he is. But this is not a story about stupidity and intoxication. It's a story about love and determination and faithfulness. These friends move from simply attention to Jesus to commitment. They move from passivity to activity. They move from complacency to engagement with the Lord of life. So Jesus is there talking to this crowd in this home, and all of a sudden the ceiling begins to drop in front of him. People listening said, Did I, was that a tile that just dropped off the ceiling? Soon everyone begins to look up as. Bits and pieces begin to fall and pretty soon a hand comes through a hole and then a hole gets larger and a face looks down and then the hole gets larger and all of a sudden, like that picture you just saw, this stretcher begins to lower down through the tile. I I have to imagine the owner of that home was there (laughs) quite proud until that point. What the? I just had that roof fixed last summer. Jesus looks at this guy on the stretcher, looks back up at his friends who are looking now through the hole in the roof, and it says when he saw their faith, then he turned to the paralytic and he said, friend, your sins are forgiven you. Those guys up looking down through the hole had to be going... What did he say? What did he just say? Come on, how much sin can a guy in a paralyzed stretcher get into? Your sins are forgiven. That's a little disappointing. We came here for a healing. Kind of raises the question, doesn't it, about... What kind of healing we really need. Others in the room are thinking something completely different. What did he say? What the? That's blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Who does he think he is? Look, this guy needs to be put in his place. Which of course means we need to knock him off his high horse. But Jesus perceiving what's in their hearts. He says, why do you raise such questions in your hearts? Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to say stand up and walk? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, And then he turns to the paralyzed man and he says, stand up, pick up your bed, and go to your home. And immediately he stood up before them. Now there are lots of ways we can read ourselves into this story today. You may feel like you're... The person on the stretcher today, paralyzed by life, paralyzed by things you fear, immobilized by your past, you may have adopted something of a victim mentality, blaming everyone around you for what's wrong with your life, and you may be hearing the Lord saying this morning, stand up, come on, get your legs under you. You can move forward. You don't need to lie on that stretcher for the rest of your life. Get up and get moving. On the other hand, you may find yourself wondering about this whole thing about forgiveness. I mean, what really is the connection between bodily illness and forgiveness anyway? Does my physical health have something or anything to do with my spiritual health? Can Jesus actually provide a cure for what I'm struggling with? Is there some way to escape my past? Is it possible, like I said last week, that somehow my future can bury my past? Or am I doomed To allow my past to bury my future. But here's what really interests me this morning. When he saw their faith, Jesus interceded. And it raises the question for me about the value of being with others in the community of faith. It wasn't the faith of the man on the stretcher that won that day. It was the faith of his friends. And when we can no longer stand ourselves, I wonder if we have friends who can carry us. Is there some group of people in your life that you can point to and say, their faith carries me? Donald Anderson was the executive director of the Ecumenical Center for Religion and Health in San Antonio, Texas. And he tells of receiving instructions from his board to investigate the hospice movement several years ago when the movement was just beginning to develop in many communities. And as many of you know, hospice provides what's called palliative care. For those who are terminally ill. In other words, it provides comfort from pain and assistance to those who are dying. And in many cases, it allows those who are dying to remain in their homes for their final days with their families. So Mr. Anderson visited the Hill Haven Hospice, which is a 33-bed institutional hospice program in San Antonio, and he interviewed the chaplain. On a Tuesday morning, and he learned that eight of the 33 residents or patients of that particular facility had died over the weekend. And knowing what a close-knit family of caretakers and care receivers they were, the chaplain was asked about the effect of so many deaths on the staff. And he replied, well, it's tough. But then he described the story of one patient in particular, a woman who had been in their care for some time and she had had a visit from her teenage son that Saturday afternoon. And they said it it really must have been a great visit because there was so much laughter and so much cheery conversation coming out of that room. The staff was impressed at noon the boy said, I'm going to go have some lunch with some of my friends, Mom. I'll be back to see you later. And after he left, the patient called her favorite nurse. And she said, you know, I, I think this might be it. I think I may be dying. So the nurse checked her vital signs and replied, quite honestly, it's possible that you are dying. The patient said to her nurse friend, will you hold me? I think I could do this well if you'll just climb up here and hold me. So that nurse climbed into the bed and cradled that emaciated little body in her arms and literally held her into eternity. Donald Anderson asked the chaplain after that story, well, what about the nurse? What did it do to her? And the chaplain replied, well, she's taken four days off to go to the mountains, to think and to feel and to decide whether she wants to come back to work again. But I know she will, because as hard as it is, you learn in a place like this that caring hurts. But when you really care, you offer something special, and you become something special yourself. Is that not what this story is about in Luke's gospel? These friends offered something special, and they became something special themselves. And is that not who we are supposed to be as followers of Jesus Christ and the church of our Lord? Your faith carries me, and my faith carries you. And it's when the Lord sees their faith, our faith collectively, that things really begin to happen. We're supposed to carry one another into eternity. And by the way, that's what this whole stewardship thing is all about. It's... About so much more than contributing to the budget of the church. It's asking the question how might you use your energy, your intelligence, your imagination, and your love to help carry others into eternity? Maybe it's your prayers. Maybe it's a phone call to somebody who's discouraged. Maybe it's a visit to somebody who's homebound. Maybe it's simply signing one of the cards in the courtyard that will go to somebody who's hospitalized. Maybe it's teaching in the Sunday school or the nursery school or it's conversational English. Maybe it's singing in our choir here. Or serving on the mission committee or preparing elements for communion. We're here to carry one another into eternity. And it's when we're in this together that the Lord sees their faith, our faith in plural. And we move. From simply attending to Jesus. To commitment to Jesus. We move from passivity to activity. We move from complacency to engagement. In the healing of our Lord in our time. This whole story concludes... With those who were present that day saying, wow, we've seen some strange things today. Well, we will see stranger things. Even than that, when we step out in faith and we reach out in love to those who are hurting and paralyzed by life. So join the effort. Pick up the corner of a stretcher somewhere. Offer something special and become something special yourself. Thanks be to God. Amen.